Amen. Well, good morning, saints of Redeemer. It is a great joy and privilege for me to stand before you this morning to proclaim the Word of God. I bring to you greetings from Grace and Peace, the saints at Grace and Peace Presbyterian Church in Anna. We love Redeemer. We are incredibly thankful for your ministry and generosity to us through the years. We rejoice at your continuing to do the work of the kingdom and sending out churches and particularly with Cornerstone today. We're so thankful uh, for your ministry, and it's a joy to be here with you today. Uh, We're going to look together at Psalm 93. I love the Psalms, and I love this one in particular. It is a great uh, encouragement in times when life just feels like uh, chaos. And maybe that's not you today, but I feel like that's me at least an hour of every day, if not all day, (laughs) a couple of days a week. Uh, And so this is a great encouragement to me. I hope it will be to you. Uh, Would you please stand with me if you're able out of love and respect for God's word as I read for us Psalm 93. The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring. Mightier than the thunders of many waters. Mightier than the waves of the sea. The Lord on high is mighty. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Let me pray and ask the Lord to help us understand his word today. O Lord, our great God, we do praise your glorious name together this morning. We praise you, O great God, that though you are this majestic, reigning, and ruling, and perfect, and eternal God that we hear of in this psalm, you have kindly, graciously, mercifully, lovingly condescended to make yourself known (laughs) to creatures like us, to fallen, rebellious creatures like us, that we might know the glory and wonder of who you are, that we might know Uh, the the glory of your grace in Jesus Christ that makes us your own so that we might hear a psalm like this and that it might put our hearts at ease, that it might give us hope and peace no matter what life may be bringing our way. And so, oh God, I pray that as we consider this psalm together, Holy Spirit, I ask that you would be at work among us, softening our hearts, opening our ears, that we might hear the truth of your word, that it might... Give us great grace and peace and assurance. We ask these things in Christ's name. Amen. Please be seated. I have a very uh, vivid memory of a situation that I, I can't tell you when it happened or where I was, but the actual situation I remember very vividly, and it's of being at the coast somewhere and getting into uh, the ocean waters, and I was a small child, uh, and somehow being knocked off of my feet and going under the water and then getting disoriented and not knowing, you know, you have that probably lasted for just a few seconds 
but it was this great panic in this child's mind and heart because I don't know which way is up. And every time I might break the surface of the water, another wave comes and crashes on top of me and pushes me back down. And it just has this moment of, of uncertainty and of fear and great anxiety. And then all of a sudden, these very strong hands come down. And my father grabs me and pulls me up, sets me back on my feet. I don't know if you have experienced something like that or not, but I bet that you have experienced life in that way at some point. Because life can be like that at moments, can it? Where we feel like we're underwater and we don't know which way is up. And every time I feel like I'm getting somewhere, another wave crashes down on top of my head and I get pushed down again. We live uh, in a fallen world, a world affected by the sin of mankind. And because we live in a fallen world, we live in a world that is full of uncertainty and instability things that make us worry and things that make us fear, things that sometimes even feel like chaos. It might be looking at the world around you. It might be, for some of you, looking at what's going on in, in the political world around us and thinking, I don't like this is the way that this is going. It's not going the way it should go, and I'm afraid of what may come for our nation if things keep going the way that I am seeing them going. Some of you, it may be looking at the economy and worrying about what's going to happen with my finances and with my job and, and what may be coming my way tomorrow. Some of you, it may be relational, uh, whether your marriage or a friendship or another strained family relationship that, 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 that you just you can't get a grip on and it, and it's, and it hurts and it's confusing and you don't know how there can be resolution in this relationship. Some of us, it may just be anxiety and care about all the decisions that are before us in any given day. I have so many things I have to decide, and there's so many options, and I just have no idea which way is up and how I'm ever going to get my feet back on the ground. And this psalm... Psalm 93 is, is like those strong hands of my dad that reached in and pulled me up out of the waves and the fear and the chaos of that moment. As our Father reaches into our lives with His Word and He says, I rule over whatever this is that's causing you uncertainty. Whatever this is that's causing you fear, whatever this is that makes you feel like you don't know which way is up, God says, I reign. I reign over this. And guess what? I am the strongest thing there is. And you're going to be okay. And so in this psalm, I want us to see three things along those lines. Number one, our God reigns. He is sovereign over all things. He is almighty, powerful over all things, and he is trustworthy. So we respond to this great God with trust and obedience. But first of all, we see that God is sovereign. Our God reigns. The psalm begins, look back at verse 1 with these three words in our English translation, the Lord reigns. 
It's a wondrous statement. The Lord reigns. And notice that it doesn't say, the Lord reigns over Israel. Or the Lord reigns over his people. It doesn't even say the Lord reigns over the nations. It simply says, the Lord reigns. Open-ended statement. We might say, okay, the Lord reigns over what? But that's the point, isn't it? The Lord reigns over everything. There there is no boundary to the reign of the Lord. There are no limits on the reign of the Lord. He reigns over everything that ever has been, is now, and ever will be. Our God reigns over all things. We read earlier from the larger catechism that God is uh, a spirit and that he, did we say spirit? I don't remember. I'm thinking about the shorter, the larger. Yes, he is a spirit in and of himself, infinite. That's the word I'm getting at. Do you know, kids, do you know what that word infinite means? It means something that has no no stops on it, no no limits on it, no boundaries on it. It's something that just goes and goes and goes. That is our God. He is infinite infinite. There are no boundaries. There are no limits on him. And therefore that applies to his reign. There are no limits there. There is nothing outside of his reign, his rule, his control. There is not one single molecule in all of existence that is not under the control of the God who is put on display for us in The Word, the God who reigns over all things. Think about that. Stop and just think about that for a moment. Think about how big this God must be. Think about how mighty this God must be. Think about how wise this God must be that he keeps all of this in his control. He rules over all of everything that ever is. And then think about the greatest human ruler that you can think of throughout history. And what fraction of the earth did he rule over? What small fraction of the earth, in fact, did he rule over? And then you think about our great God who the universe can't contain and who rules over all of these things. But don't miss that this phrase, and I know I'm hanging out here in these first three words for a while, but don't miss that this phrase doesn't say, well, there is this God and he is infinite and reigns over everything. There is a God and he is infinite and rules and reigns over all things. That is true, but what does it say? The Lord reigns. You guys probably know this. When you see the Lord with all capital letters, it refers to God's personal name, Yahweh. And so here being told, it's not just that there is this God somewhere out there and that he reigns over all things, but there is a personal God named Yahweh or Jehovah or the Lord, and he reigns over all things. And he is a great God who is this high and lifted up. And yet he has come to a group of people and he has revealed himself as his personal name, Yahweh, the Israelites to whom this psalm is originally written. And he has said what to them? I will be your God and you will be my people. 
And so to Israel, this psalm doesn't simply say, well, good news, there is this big, great, glorious God, and he rules and reigns over all things. No, what does it say? It says, your God reigns over everything. The God who has said, I love you, and you are mine, and I am yours. He rules and reigns over all things. And beloved, those words ring true for us today as well. For those who have been brought into relationship with the great God of all things through the Lord Jesus Christ, by his grace, through his blood, as we sang about earlier today, can say, our God reigns over all things. And we saw these baptisms this morning, and what a wonderful picture. And one of the many things that this sign of baptism says to you is, your God, your God who says, I love you, and you are mine forever, rules and reigns over all things. It's a glorious promise. You guys are familiar, I'm sure, with this uh, passage that we often you relate to evangelism and missions in, in Isaiah 52, verse 7, right? It says, How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace, who brings good news of happiness, who publishes salvation. Do you ever read on and see what is the good news that he's talking about proclaiming there? Who says to Zion... Your God reigns. The good news, the wonderful good news is that through Jesus Christ for us today, through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for the forgiveness of our sins, we are brought into, into childhood of the Father. We're brought into relationship with this great God, and we can say our God reigns over all. But he does go on here, doesn't he? The Lord reigns. He is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed. It tells us twice. The Lord has robed himself with majesty. And so let me ask you a question. Uh, children, why does a king wear a robe? Why does a king wear a robe? Because he's rich. Possibly, it definitely would show that. But who needs to know that he's rich? Who needs to know that he's the king? He doesn't. The king wears a robe to say to those around him, I am king, right? The king wears a robe so that we know that he is the king and that he rules and that he reigns. And here God tells us, he says, I am robed in majesty so that you might know that I am this great God and this great King who rules and reigns over all things. His, his majesty covers all of his works. And that's what he says here. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. What's the point in, in the psalmist saying that here? It's to say that God and in, his, in his reign and in his great majesty has created the world and it is established. And because he rules and reigns over it, it will never be move because God has made it and he has set it there. And as we see the creation, 
and we see the glory and the wonder of what God has made, it proclaims to us the majesty of our God. Right? His robes are over his creation so that we might see this great God and, and the majesty of who he is, and the power of who he is. But what does he also say here? Uh, he, the Lord is robed. He has put on strength as his belt. His works of redemption are also robed in his majesty because God has girded his loins as the, as the uh, King James would say there. He's girded himself for battle. He's put on his battle belt with his sword so that he can, so that he can go forth and, and fight the battles of his people, so that he can go forth and, and defend his people. His, his majesty robes his, his, his fighting for his people, his redemption of his people. And of course, Israel has seen this many times, but most clearly at the exodus out of Egypt, right, when they found themselves in, in bondage uh, and, and in, this, in this harsh slavery, and they cry out in their bondage, bondage and the Lord hears and he comes to them and he he delivers them out through these great acts of his power showing that he is the one true God and the gods of the Egyptians are not and then he 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 leads his people out of that bondage and into eventually his promised land right the Lord has he's put on his belt and he's gone to battle for his people I love what Moses says to the people at the, at the Red Sea. Do you remember that story when they're, they're going out of Egypt and they're, they're, they're headed toward Mount Sinai, uh, but they come to the Red Sea and, and they're backed up against the sea and all of a sudden they realize Pharaoh's coming after them. And they say to Moses, was it because they didn't have graves there that you brought us out here to die? And, and what does Moses say to them? The Lord will fight for you. All you have to do is be quiet. <laughs> I love that. Watch what God will do for you. Right? His majesty is shown as he parts the Red Sea and the, the people go across on dry ground. And then as the Egyptians follow them, he, he brings the waters back down upon them in judgment upon the Egyptians because the Lord has, has put on his belt of strength to fight for his people that we might know his majesty. And again, it's true for us, isn't it? For God has taken on flesh and he has walked upon the earth Jesus, in Jesus Christ, living a perfect life and yet going to a cross and dying unjustly, bearing our sins that God's wrath might be poured on him at that cross dying and laid in a tomb and raised again on the third day. What victorious! Because he has girded himself with strength to defeat our greatest enemies, sin and death, that we might know the majesty of our God, that we might know the power of our God, that we might say, because Christ has, has, has girded himself with this strength and defeated our enemies, we might say, our God. He reigns over all things. This is the first thing that we need to understand from this psalm, beloved, is that our God reigns. Take heart for the God that has done these things for you reigns over all things. 
But next, we do see that he is almighty God. Look at verses three and four again. The floods have lifted up, O Lord. The floods have lifted up their voice. The floods lift up their roaring, right? This, this, this picture of mighty waters roaring. We should, we should hear the waves crashing in a storm. We should hear Niagara Falls pouring water across and down into the basin there. This, this roaring sound. You could also translate it the pounding of the water. And of course, in the ancient world, water, the sea, uh, was one of the most terrifying things that there was. Because why? Well, you go out on the sea in your boat to make a living as a fisherman or to travel, and all of a sudden, without any warning, a huge storm comes up and there's waves crashing. You're fearing for your life and you can lose your life in it, right? There, not the day of today when we have these wonderful weather forecasts and we can know when the storm is coming, but in the ancient world, you could get caught out and it's a terrifying thing. Why? Because, because this water is incredibly powerful, isn't it? And it's completely outside of our control. We don't have to live in the ancient world to know that, do we? We see the images of what hurricanes do on the coast. When water comes in, it's great power. We see what flooding does even here in Texas when we get so much rain. It brings destruction to homes. Right? We, we know the great power of water. And we also know that when we have that kind of water moving, we cannot control it. Who among you can say to the waves, stop? Who's done that? And yet here we see God saying, I do that. <laughs> mightier than the thunders of many waters, mightier than the waves of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Right? And there's a sense in which the psalmist says, Oh, mighty waters, roar to the greatest of your ability. Right? Pour as much out as you can. Scream at God. And guess what God says? I am God and I am mighty over all these things. We see it throughout Scripture, don't we? I've already talked about one instance of it when the Israelites were at the Red Sea and God parted the sea. See it again uh, in Joshua when they come to the Jordan River in its flood stage and the ark goes in and the waters are stopped. See it earlier than that and even a greater, mightier way in Genesis 6 through 8 when God brings a flood upon the earth in judgment upon the sin of people. And yet what happens? He also clears those waters away in his time. God brings the flood. God clears it away. And perhaps most poignantly, as you've already heard me allude to in the New Testament, the Lord Jesus Christ in a boat with his disciples heading across the sea and a storm comes up and, 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 it's, and it rages and it's powerful and it's terrifying. And don't forget, it's not like he grabbed a group of, a group of preachers off the road and took them out on the ocean. He's got fishermen with him. They live on the sea, right? They, they, they know what, what is happening here and they are fearing for their lives. What does Jesus do? Stands up and he says, peace, be still. Again, he says, hush, and there's an immediate calm because he is mighty 
even over the waters. And of course, I don't believe that we should only see here a reference to literal waters, but we see here an image of the circumstances of our lives sometimes when we feel like we're being crashed on by the waves. And we feel like the, 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 the waterfall is just pounding on us with the fears of life, the anxieties of life, the financial struggles of life, the, 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 the difficulties of raising our children and being patient with them day after day after day, or perhaps the difficulty of having adult children who have, who have walked away from the faith and you worry and, 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 and are concerned and don't know what will happen to them. Uh, whatever the circumstances of your life might be that feel like raging waters because they're pounding you down and you have not the strength to push back, what does God say to you? Isaiah 43, God says, fear not, for I have redeemed you. Like that word redeemed, I bought you for myself. I have called you by name. <laughs> you are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. And this is that God we were already talking about. <laughs> the God who made everything and rules over everything. And he says, I have bought you at a great price. I'm, I'm not going to let this flood take you away from me. I gave my very son for you. I will go with you. And I will bring you to the other side. And I will never leave you. And I will never forsake you. And, and even this great flood of your life is in my hands. And what does he tell us in Romans 8, 28? He's working good in it. Right? And that's a wonderful thing for us to know, isn't it? It's a wonderful thing for me to know that when I am facing these great hardships, when I am facing this great anxiety, when I am facing this great fear, when I am facing the waters pounding upon me, I can say the God who says, I am yours and you are mine and I love you enough to give my very son for your salvation says, this water is in my hands. Whatever that circumstance is, beloved, it is not outside of the reign of God. It comes to you from his good and gracious and loving hand. And sometimes we forget to read verse 29 of Romans 8. We read, he works all things for good, and we say, that sounds great. And then in verse 29, he tells us what good is. It's to be conformed to the image of his son. And so often, he pounds us with the waves that we might grow, that we might grow through pain, that we might grow through struggle, that we, might, that we might learn to reach out to him and recognize that we don't have what we need outside of him, but in him we have everything we need, that we might grow in our, grow in Christ-likeness, growing and trusting this, our great God. Of course, that's the last thing that we need to see here in verse 5. Your decrees are very trustworthy. Holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. And so this God 
speaks. It's the first thing you ought to hear there. Your decrees, right? He speaks. He is there and he is not silent. There is a great God and he speaks to us that we might know him, that we might know what he desires for our life, so that we might know the redemption that he has provided for us in Jesus Christ. He speaks. And what he speaks is trustworthy. (laughs) Why? Look back at verse 2. Your throne is established from of old. You are from everlasting. Right? This God has no beginning and no end. He has created all things out of nothing by the word of his power and for his glory. He is infinitely wise. He knows everything and he knows what is best in everything. And so when this God speaks, you can trust what he says, for there is nothing outside the scope of his knowledge. And there is nothing about him that is not good and righteous and just and true. And therefore, when this God speaks, we should listen and we should trust. What's the problem with that? I don't want to, right? I don't want to. I want to trust in my own understanding, as we heard from Proverbs chapter 3. I want to trust in my own wisdom. I want to rule over my own life because guess what? I think that I am infinitely wise. And I think that I am infinitely knowledgeable. And I think that I am perfectly just and righteous. And if everybody would just do what I say, the world would be a whole lot better place. Right? But the problem with that is I'm just a creature. I am tiny. And I'm also a sinner. And so my heart is not right always. My mind is not right always. I am always, not always doing what is good and what is true and what is just. But God is. So he says to us here today, beloved, listen to me and trust me. Listen to me and trust me. And so he beckons us to lay ourselves at his feet in his word and hear. Hear of this great God who reigns over all things and of his majestic grace in Jesus Christ, his love for you and what he's done for you in Jesus Christ and and give yourself to him. Trust him. Then he says, holiness befits your house, O Lord, forevermore. And so he also says here, trust me and obey me. And those two things go together, don't they? Because if we trust that this is who God is, infinite, eternal, and unchangeable, perfectly good and righteous and holy and just, the one who has made all these things and therefore knows how they best work, if we would trust that, when he speaks, we would obey, wouldn't we? And so he says, trust and obey. I have told you what is true. I've called you to what is right Come and live for me. And of course, friends, I understand we can only do that through Jesus Christ. 
We can only do that because Christ has offered himself as a perfect sacrifice for our sins and because he has poured out his spirit upon us and he has given us a new heart that believes and trusts and follows him and and strengthens us to walk in his ways. But I call you today, beloved, to trust him, to hear, to hear what this psalm proclaims to you, which is, There is a God who reigns over all things. He makes you his own through the blood of his son, Jesus Christ, so that you can say, my God reigns over all things. He is almighty over all the storms of my life, and he is using them for my good and for his glory. And therefore, I fall on my face and I worship and I hear and I trust and I obey. And let me just say a word to you who may be here today and you can't say, my God reigns. Just want to let you know that that's possible for you. It is possible for you to say, my God reigns over all things. That is possible for you today by coming to the Lord Jesus Christ in faith by saying, I can't make myself worthy of this God, but you have in your death upon the cross, giving yourself to him, and in him you become a child of God, and you say, my God reigns, and I can trust that everything is okay. And I would love to talk to you about that. I would love to talk to you about that. If that's you here today, don't leave, because I would love to talk to you about that. Let me pray and ask the Lord to help us in these matters. Oh God in heaven, you're staggered at your reign, your holiness, your majesty, the glory of who you are. Open our eyes to see it more and more. Oh God, knock us to our knees in worship and adoration, trembling before you that we might live our lives in a proper fear of you. Lord, grant us, grant us the grace to believe that you reign over all things. Grant us the grace to believe that this storm, whatever it may be in this moment, comes to us from your hand and for our good and that you are forming us to the image of Christ through it, that we might have hope, that we might be grounded in that, that truth and your mercy and your grace, and that we might know that in your perfect timing, you will pull it away, whether that be in this life or bringing us to yourself in glory. Help us to believe, O oh God, for we struggle to believe these things. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.